Welcome to Indie Cider, where we go beyond the game and meet the developers behind today's indie hits. Hey, it's Ken Gaggy for the Indie Cider Podcast, where I play indie games and then interview the developers. Something you may not know about me, that besides video games, I also am a huge fan of the Apple II computer, which came out in 1977, seven years before Apple released the Macintosh. The Apple II was the computer I grew up with, and I still have it to this day. As a kid, I would alternate between playing games on the Apple II and playing games on the 8-bit Nintendo. On the Apple II, many of the games that I used to enjoy are still popular franchises to this day, such as Load Runner or Castle Wolfenstein, and many of the developers who got their start on the Apple II are still in the industry today, such as John Romero. He co-created such games as Wolfenstein 3D, Doom, and Quake. But one of his first games was Dangerous Dave for the Apple II. It was a side-view platformer where you controlled Dave, who is one of the world's world-class jumpers. He can jump so high and so far. And that is what allows him to get over obstacles like lakes and lava and scorpions and collect all the jewels and gems and escape the level. There were nearly a dozen games in the original run of Dangerous Dave, spanning from 1988 to 1995 on such platforms as the Apple II and MS-DOS. And now one of those games is available for iOS. Dangerous Dave in the Deserted Pirate's Hideout was recently released for iOS, and like many classic games that are being ported, it contains both the original game with complete original graphics and lack of soundtrack, just and minimal sound effects, but it also includes a remastered edition with completely new graphics and a full-fledged soundtrack by Mr. Dren McDonald, who also composed the soundtrack for Gathering Sky, featured on a previous episode of IndieCider. It's not unusual to revisit and remix classic game tunes. Mario Brothers, Final Fantasy, and other franchises do that to keep a consistent theme across all the games in the franchise. And even if games are not being recreated, their classic tunes are still being remixed on websites like Overclocked Remix or OCRemix.org. But Dangerous Dave, as I mentioned, had no soundtrack whatsoever due to the technical limitations of its original release platform, the Apple II. And so I was curious to hear how one goes about creating an original soundtrack for basically a 30-year-old game, even if it is the remastered edition. So this week I'm interviewing not the developer, but the composer, Mr. Dren McDonald about creating the soundtrack for Dangerous Dave, and more generally, about creating soundtracks for video games and the skills and tools that are necessary, as well as how one works with different developers and across different genres and platforms. Full disclosure, I did back Dren's Kickstarter for The String Arcade a few years ago, and I also received a free download code for the Dangerous Dave soundtrack which is available on Bandcamp. There'll be links in the show notes. The game itself is free, but does offer in-app purchases to remove ads. If you want to see the game being played and hear those tunes, you can do so on the YouTube channel for the IndieCider podcast, which is youtube.com slash gamebits, where the following interview is paired with footage of the iOS version of Dangerous Dave. So without further ado, here is my interview with Mr. Dren McDonald. Today I'm speaking with Dren McDonald, the composer, sound designer, and audio director for Nerd Tracks. Hello, Dren. Hi! How are you today? I'm doing great! Excellent. So you provided the soundtrack for Dangerous Dave, correct? Yeah, yeah. Dangerous Dave in the deserted Pirate's Hideout. Awesome. How did you get hooked up with John Romero for this project? Uh, I've known John for a while. Um, We first worked together back in 2010 on Ravenwood Fair uh, when he was consulting for Lolaps. And uh, he brought me on over there. Uh, I, th- I want to say like two months after that game launched, he had been doing all the audio 
for all the audio design for that game when they launched it. And uh, there was another composer they hired to do the uh, the launch. Uh, it was just one one piece of music for that. And then the game kind of took off. And by December, they needed a lot of help because they were pumping out a lot of content for it. So uh, so I joined uh, John over there. Uh, Brenda was there, too. So it was John and Brenda who were kind of consulting at Low Labs. And I started working with them at that point and then kind of continued on working with them on a lot of different projects. We worked uh, together. They brought me on as audio director at Loot Drop when they started that uh, company and we worked on Ghost Recon Commander together in Peddington Park and a couple other projects that well one just actually got finished something we started there called Char- what is it called Charmcraft Hollow and uh, that recently just came out it was something we started there and then when they went to UC Santa Cruz and were running the the game design master's program there. They brought me on the board of advisors, and I taught the first uh, the first audio class one one quarter there. I was a lecturer for that. So we've worked on various projects together, a few other things that haven't come out yet and whatnot. But we know each other pretty well and enjoy working together. And I think this all came up when we were I was at a party I think at their house, and John told me he'd been working on on uh, redoing Dave and just putting it out on his own for fun. And uh, and so we uh, talked about how funny uh, it would be to do some music for that. And I just started doing it in, in my spare time. It just seemed like a fun, you know, the spirit of, of putting the project together just for fun was uh, was something I was into. So we, we just kind of went from there. It's a project that's been in the works for a while. I seem to recall John mentioning it in the Apple II Enthusiast group on Facebook as long as two years ago. Uh, it could be. Yeah, he might have started it that long ago. I mean, I finished the soundtrack about a year ago, <laughs> so uh, it's been kind of uh, sitting around and, and just waiting uh, for John to basically work on it. He had a few people doing some translations that he was waiting on, um, but mostly it was up to him since he was the only coder on it. So uh, he was kind of tweaking it and and uh, working on it when he could, but you know, he was in the middle of a major, major move to from from California to Ireland and then changing basically you know moving his whole operations out to ireland and the family and selling a house and you know went through a lot of change in the last year or so so he kind of got put off to the the side to i th- i actually think he shipped it while he was on the boat from new york to ireland i think he shipped the game from a ship <laughs> wow yeah i think he finished it while he was on that boat and um and sent it uh, to be approved by apple from the high seas. <laughs> now, like me, did you grow up playing his games, either Dangerous Dave on the Apple II or Wolf 3D? Uh, I had played them, yeah. I mean, uh, let's see. Uh, John and I are the same age, so I was, you know, doing my thing in the early 90s, maybe when Doom and those things came out. I was certainly uh, playing a little bit of games, but I wasn't immersed in it uh, like as I had been previously or afterwards at the time i was releasing all these albums the band and touring a lot um but i had played doom of course and i played wolfenstein and um i actually didn't play dave before before those so but i certainly had played the the big ones so as you know the original dangerous dave didn't really have much in the way of a soundtrack what did you look for for inspiration when coming up with your own you couldn't just do remixes or rearrangements of classic tunes this was an entirely new project for you 
Yeah, yeah, that was part of the fun with it was because we basically had two things to go on. We had uh, the first game had all the kind of standard computer game chip sounds that you might expect in the game, and then um, uh, and then the, the other thing that the game had going for it was it was uh, based on a hillbilly type character uh, in the swamps of Louisiana. So I was kind of taking those things into consideration. Um, how can we blend these things and come up with something kind of original? It didn't seem right to do just a chiptunes kind of soundtrack because the new artwork didn't lend itself to that sort of uh, treatment. And um, it wouldn't seem right to do something that was, I don't know, maybe not as original. I mean, doing just a, a straight chiptune soundtrack. Well, there's nothing wrong with it. It's not as original as maybe genre I wanted to do for the game. And, um, and then, you know, taking the hillbilly kind of thing into account, we thought it would be funny to include um, a lot of instruments along with some of the ch original chip sound kind of things and seeing if we can make something work like that. So um, that's what we had to go on. Uh, you're right, there was no music in the original, just those uh, computer-generated sounds uh, in the original game. Pretty sure they're computer generated. Anyway, that's what I kind of took for inspiration on that. That plus the fact that it all takes place at night and in the swamps and in these kind of mysterious uh, places where the pirates used to hide out, but they're all gone now. And now Clyde is in there with your trophy collection. So was Chip Billy the genre that you refer to this game soundtrack by? Is that entirely your own invention? Well, I haven't, I don't know if I've heard of anyone else. I don't want to take credit for it. Someone else has come up with it, but uh, it's something that I was calling this all all along, which I thought was pretty funny. It just was a term that made me laugh. So <laughs> uh, I haven't heard it elsewhere. Um, someone did point out there was a guy who was playing, I think he was just playing banjo to other video game music, uh, but I don't know if it was all chippy sounding. I want to say it was mostly just... Uh, mostly kind of bluegrass style that he was playing these these songs in. So, I don't know, maybe it's an original thing. I don't know. <laughs> when I do a Google search, the hashtag that you created for Chip Billy is the, like the number five, one through five hits. <laughs> so I don't know that anybody else is talking about it. Okay, well, good. Then I'm starting a trend. Yay. <laughs> one of the things I like about the Apple II, which was the original platform for Dangerous Dave, were the technical limitations. When you have only so many colors and so many kilobytes of memory, you have to be really creative with how you approach the medium. That certainly isn't the case as much nowadays. You can throw more processor speed and more RAM at an yeah. at any sort of uh, obstacle that you have. So what sort of limitations did you impose on yourself as opposed to what limitations did the hardware impose on you when creating the soundtrack? Yeah, um, well, if you listen to the whole soundtrack, you'll hear that I kind of stuck to a palette to the whole thing. I didn't get too crazy with a lot of different sounds. I, um, uh, I stuck to, uh, I want to say about four or five different you know, sine waves or square waves um, for the chip sounds. And um, uh, then I pretty much stuck to fiddle, dobro, stand-up bass, um, banjo, fretless banjo, and lap steel. And I, th I think that's pretty much all I used to the whole thing. So I did try to just limit the palette. I'd say the most... Uh, 
the most outrageous I got with that, like as far as, far as pushing those boundaries, was kind of using some delay with uh, with the chip tunes and kind of giving it a little bit more atmospheric sound. And that was something I didn't expect going in, but as I kind of went with the process, I got intrigued by um, giving giving the the music some ambience with with the chip sounds. But kind of you know when you hear a lot of chip music, um, usually those sounds are real upfront and they sound like they're just popping right out of your speaker because you know in the old days that's the way that music used to work it would just be generated by the chips and it would just there, there'd be no mixing involved you're just where those sounds were really up front and so i was trying to do something with those sounds where they were worked into the whole mix kind of blending it as an as an ambience so you, the use of of uh reverb and delay was maybe uh pushing the boundaries a little bit more than i had considered to begin with but for the most part my limitations were those instruments i've played other games that you've done soundtracks for and they can have very different styles from dangerous dave which other game have you worked on that was as far as the soundtrack goes most similar to dangerous dave uh good question um this one that i'm working on for gunman taco truck is kind of similar only in that i'm really sticking to uh a similar palette of instruments and it's kind of a weird blend of genres uh you know dave we have chip billy and with the i don't have a hashtag for gunman taco truck yet but we'll uh, yeah i know i got something i gotta work on but uh it's sort of like apocalyptic mariachi music so um uh so the same uh instruments throughout the whole thing it's just uh guitars uh bass trumpet two trumpets two violins and percussion and i think that's pretty much it through the whole thing um oh an accordion but they're all uh live instruments there's no midi on that one and um so as far as just kind of making a song-based kind of soundtrack there's that that in common too where something like gathering sky was more of a um a big puzzle where you've got uh, here's a little linear piece and that goes into a transition that could go one, two, three different ways and I have to have a little pad underneath this part and you know it's kind of working in all these parts together based on the player's progress whereas these games are a little more simple it's sort of we've got the action scene and we have this one looping song and, and then we have the taco scene and it's just this one looping song and, and Dave was kind of the same way I didn't have to think about the interactivity all that much um, so the, I think of them more as maybe song-based kind of soundtracks. And um, and so those two games are, are similar in that way, too. Many composers, who, especially those who work in a specific medium, tend to have a certain style. For example, I could go from Star Wars to E.T. to Close Encounters of the Third Kind and start to realize, oh, these are all sound very similar. These are all by John Williams. But on a previous episode of this podcast, I featured the developers of Gathering Sky, which is a wonderful game that you also provide the soundtrack for. Yeah, thanks. Uh, it's a fantastic soundtrack. I'm glad they waited and didn't release it without that, because I understand that was their original intention. But go- yeah. but going from that game to Dangerous Dave, I would never guess that this is the same composer. <laughs> so what would you say is your style or your stamp? Uh, yeah, that's that's a tricky one. Um especially in in game development because um you know if you ask peter mcconnell what his stamp was or gary Scheiman, you know they they all have the ability to kind of work 
in a lot of different styles, which is is impressive. And um, so it's hard for me to say uh, stylistically what my stamp is. I mean, I, I I try to you know come up with uh, motifs and melodies that people remember. Um, I try to usually uh, do something that's a little different than what someone might expect. Um, you know, a lot of game composers that I know don't necessarily have much of a recording background. So a lot of their, um, soundtracks or what they work on is, is all in the box and samples or synthesizers, et cetera. And so I usually try to include in most of the work I do, um, some live instruments or some crazy way to mic something. And, um, you know, I kind of, uh, have a background in, in working in studios and whatnot. So I enjoy that part of it, whereas some people may not enjoy that as much as I do. So I, and I mix all my own stuff too. Uh, so you might maybe find a more of a thread there of the way that I mix things might have more of a stamp on it because I think I'm trying to, you know, find the best match for the, for the emotions of any particular game. And, uh, you know, if you went and looked at Pennington Park, and Ghost Recon, and then Gathering Sky, they're all like super different sounding soundtracks. Um, so and it's hard for me to just say, here's, here's my style, but I do have certain things that I'm thinking about when I'm, when I'm starting a, a, a game and thinking about the music. And I don't think that I'm thinking about, here's what I, I want my style to show up this way. Um, I'm just thinking about what the emotion needs to be in, in the game. And, um, what we're trying to get the, the player to think about or, or feel a particular part of, of a game. So um, hard to say exactly what my style is, but those are all elements of things that I try to put into every, everything I work on. And some of those elements you definitely need to be thinking about when creating a game uniquely as opposed to other mediums, like what do you want the player to feel or how is this going to loop through multiple levels? So let's say I'm a university student who's studying music composition, and after years of classical training, I decide the specific medium in which I wish to apply that trade is video games and game scores. What additional skills atop just the traditional music skills would I need to get into that specific medium? I can speak to that a little bit just from my experience at the San Francisco San Francisco Conservatory of Music, where I, I, I teach part-time on a, a, a visiting faculty there. Um, and this is something, a, a gap that they're kind of trying to bridge over there. Um, but if you're, uh, say, a conservatory student or at a music a school with a great music program and you're studying composition, um, you know, you'll, you'll get all those foundations and, you know, learn how to do four-part chorale box stuff and, you know, move on and, and learn all the basics of, of uh foundation of composing in the sort of classical tradition and you can still use all that but usually you need to add a lot of other skills to to that foundation um, and a lot of those skills usually involve learning a lot of other styles uh, of music that a game might demand um, like we just talked about we you know I've worked in a lot of different styles in, in various music and if I only had classical uh, a classical foundation, I wouldn't have been able to do most of the, the work that I've done. Uh, fortunately, I played in bands that were very eclectic and whatnot and played a lot of these different styles uh, live, you know, with other musicians, which is really helpful. Uh, getting back to my point here, which was, uh, so yeah, you need to add things to to that foundation, which would be 
you know, also learning how to use uh, uh, a digital audio workstation software like, you know, Pro Tools, Logic, Reaper, um, that sort of thing, and getting familiar with using um, sample libraries and th synthesizers and learning production techniques. And uh, that is all stuff that's expected of a modern composer. You have to be able to maybe write a string quartet and then turn around and do a dubstep thing for an ad or whatever it is. You know, it helps to be fluid throughout all these sort of uh, styles. I mean, I've, I've come across some other games like uh, like Cooking Dash, where I've worked with Tom Hall, who uh, was also at id Software. And, you know, he'll throw crazy things at me like, okay, this song is, this music for this venue, it's a, an Italian restaurant, but uh, it's run by a bunch of 80s hair metal guys. So it's hair metal, Italian restaurant. See what you can do with that. So, <laughs> you know, you run into these kind of very odd challenges, uh, where you've got to come up with something. In that same game, Tom had a venue that was a uh, it was a dis uh, was a disco roller rink that had been taken over by someone who wanted to turn it into a house party uh, venue, uh, also keeping the roller rink, but then was somehow related to the Norse gods in Valhalla. So we had to get this Norse god slash disco roller rink slash uh, house venue music together for that particular uh, uh, part of the game. So um, having uh, the ability to jump in and all those styles and kind of understand what all those uh, style production techniques might be uh, is uh, something you also need in addition to the foundation of the, the, the composition work. And then, you know, for me, like I mentioned before, I record a lot of stuff. So I know microphones and preamps and how to position them and uh, how to record all the instruments that I play here. Um, so that's another layer on top of that. And, and then on top of that, another layer of just understanding all the different genres of games that are out there that, uh, that give you the ability to talk intelligently with a game designer about what they're trying to do with their, with their game. You know, if you don't know the difference between, you know, Fallout and Candy Crush, then you're probably not going to be very successful. <laughs> no, I imagine not. <laughs> the reason I asked this is because as somebody with little to no training in music, I was surprised when I went to your website and under the list of tools that you're familiar with, it lists things like Unity 3D, Git, and Jira, which is what I would expect from somebody who's developing a game, not the musician. I didn't realize that there would be such overlap. Uh, sure, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, for me personally, I don't want to be the kind of person who says, you know, I just do the music, I'll send you a WAV file, it'll all be good. That's not really where I'm coming from. I want to be a part of the team and uh, be able to um, contribute just like an artist or a coder will be able to contribute and can, you feel a lot more part of the team when you can be involved that way. Uh, you know, say you're on on Skype or Slack with your team and you're all um, using Perforce and you're all um, committing files to the build and you see the build the next day, you feel a lot more part of the team. So I find it helps to really be literate in all of those pieces of software so that you can really get involved on a, a deeper level than just, okay, that's the kind of music you want. Here you go. Oh, here's a revision. Here's another revision. Um, Thanks, uh, and send me a check. You know, I, I feel like it. You're a lot more successful. You could really dig in and be a part of the, the what the rest of the team is doing. And that sounds a lot more fun and a lot more exciting too. 
Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the reasons I was drawn to game development, uh, rather, you know, say that as opposed to writing for film or TV, uh, was just the fact that I would be engaged with people who were, um, working in all these diff different disciplines. It's, you know, exciting for me to be able to talk to, uh, an artist or, uh, an animator and get their point of view on these characters or these scenes in a game or the game designer, uh, you know, talking to all the people working in different mediums um, is something that, that I find kind of stimulating about the whole process rather than just being stuck in, in working with, say, a producer and a bunch of audio people all the time. Um, I think it's more exciting. And you certainly have a lot of work ahead of you. You have a amazing portfolio that's growing every day. And Dangerous Dave, the game you just worked on, the original series encompassed nearly a dozen different games. Any chance that you'll be back for more? <laughs> Uh, we'll see. You know, I know John has the rights to it now, um, so we'll see what he decides to do. It would be great to do Haunted Mansion. That one would be fun. I doubt we'll see copyright infringement anytime soon, but uh, <laughs> uh, we'll see what we'll see what John uh, has up his sleeve as far as future Dave iterations. But the next thing is is Gunman Taco Truck. So we'll see how that goes. And that is by Brenda's son, correct? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Donovan came up with the with the idea for the whole game, and he actually created uh, design documents and um, pictures. He's got rough pictures of everything, and uh, he came up with all the enemies, and, the, and he came up with the whole system that, that basically is the is the the game loop. You know, you you um, you have these scenes where you're on the highway and you're killing uh, radiated foes and and stray cattle and and chickens and then you collect it all to sell as ingredients when you get to the end of that highway and you make a, a pit stop and sell your tacos to people and then you start selling those ingredients so you can upgrade your truck and get to the next town and keep going until you get from southern california all the way up to winnipeg so <laughs> that whole idea was his idea and we've just all been building on it it's been pretty fun i remember it being featured in stage of development the video series by russ pitts Oh, okay. Have you seen that? I don't think I've seen that, no. The full episode isn't out yet, but he released a few minutes of a, as sort of a teaser, and it focused almost exclusively on the taco game. So funny. i got to check that out. Yeah, I'll send you a link. Speaking yeah, of, yeah. Speaking of links, remind our listeners where we can find you online or on Twitter. Uh, yeah, so my website is nerdtracks.com. Uh, all of the soundtrack stuff, visit uh, drenmcdonald.bandcamp.com. And I'm uh, on Twitter at... Uh, Dren MC, Dren Mick, all one word. Awesome. And if listeners haven't already, I recommend they also check out your work with thestringarcade.com. Oh, yeah. Thanks for throwing that in there. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, the program that is uh, benefiting from the sales of that CD, because it's all, it all 100% of the sales go to a free after school music program. Uh, that program, Alameda Music Project, is really thriving. They're in their, uh, I guess, almost their second and a half year and um they've got now a cello class two violin classes two choral classes and a percussion class this year so uh so they're really benefiting from from all the fundraising that we've been doing for string arcade and all the other all the other fundraising they've been doing so uh it's a really great cause and that's wonderful work we've done thank you so much yeah yeah and thanks also for your time on this podcast. It's been great chatting with you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. This has been Indie Cider, a GameBits production. Find more episodes, read our blog, or send feedback at IndieCider.net. Indie